Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs, guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. I am very happy today because our guest is Effin Ku, co-founder of Kakitangan.com. For those of you who don't know, Kakitangan.com is an online HR software for Malaysian businesses that helps handle payroll claims, benefits, leave, and more. Thank you very much for being on the show today, Effin. Thank you, Kevin. Hi, everyone. Perfect, perfect. So I'm always interested to know from every founder that I meet, what is the origin story? So take me back. What is your founding story? Uh, before I started Kakitangan, I was working in China for 10 years. Uh, a major of the years are in Microsoft. So then uh, one day, my, uh, my co-founder, Ken, he said, okay, after 10 years in Microsoft, he's willing to move up. So I said, please, please come out and, and start with me. By that time, we know each other for 10 years already. We work in uh, the Microsoft Office team and uh, he's in the Bing.com. So uh, we, we know our DNA is very much uh, making an office uh, automation software and it's online uh, on the cloud structures. So uh, we inherit a lot of those kind of in engineering in our DNA, how we actually organize the build, uh, uh, building the organization, uh, learn from very much of our Microsoft on the people management, scaling up, and so on. And even how do you handle the security? We always joke that Microsoft is a legal company because uh, all, the, all the Microsoft customers are, are enterprises if they're, and they, they need to be very, very careful on the security. So, so okay, I came back to Malaysia um, and we said, uh, let's make something for the company. So I interviewed around um, and figure out uh, what to do um, and a lot of people ask us to build a leave application software. So, so that in, in US term is called paid time off, right? Software. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so at that time, 2015, uh, there was a time we were looking at US and there was Zenefits. And, and we say, okay, let, let, let's try it out. So, so we make a HR software. We give it out uh, to people to use and we sell medical insurance at the beginning. Um, things didn't work out. So what happened is then we realized uh, the U.S. market is totally different from uh, Malaysia or even the entire Southeast Asia. So um, locally, a lot of us are inherited from the U.K. uh, way, whereby we have clinics uh, and government hospitals. And the the medication, it's relatively uh, way cheaper than the U.S., right? So um, the needs of the... uh, uh, medical insurance is, is lesser than U.S. Uh, compared. Uh, and also, benefit was rising due to the time that Obama uh, actually signed the Affordable Care Act. So that was the trend. Okay, fine. So uh, long story short, we, we, we didn't make it. Um, then we start selling the software. So it becomes a 
a Gusto model. Uh, so so Gusto is a payroll software that uh, uh, was called Zen. You know, for some reason, they all called Zen at that time. So <laughs> so 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 Gusto uh, sells payroll software in US and invested in by Google. So from there onwards until today, uh, the payroll software is actually our top revenue contributor. Then you have uh, leave application, you have uh, expense claims, uh, and we even launched a, a service product instead of software product last year that uh, all our paid customers um, are able to actually speak to some HR um, experts um, four times a month and every time 30 minutes, so like two hours of consultation. Um, what problem are we trying to tackle? For example, uh, there are people issues, like my staff don't come to the work for three days. What can I do? And how do I do it legally, right? So mm-hmm. their, their, ex, their lawyers are handling that. Um, and also, um, uh, if I have an expatriate work permit, you know, so we have an expatriate work permit uh, person uh, sitting there and to help our customers. So, so we, we, we go up to that. Um, so from the 2015 until today, we raised three rounds of funding uh, after the founder injected the early uh, injection. We did equity crowdfunding in 2016. So we raised funds from public, which is, fun, uh, which is a fund uh, part that lots of uh, customers actually invested in us by that time. And 2018, uh, the BFM uh, business radio stations in Malaysia um, BFM Capital actually uh, invested in us. So that's a corporate fund, you know, where, with uh, the people in the um, profit and the sustainability mindset. And 2021 OSK Venture so, uh, came in. So that's a VC round. So, uh, the, so we, we, we like the fact that we have a different type of shareholder that carry different characteristics and uh, attributes, right? Uh, so, so we learned a lot from that. Um, today, we handle somewhere around 6,000 companies. Uh, and 7,000 employees actively on the platform. Um, this year, we're trying to grow about 50%. All right, so that, that that's kind of the background of Kakitanga. Okay, very cool, very cool. Uh, so let, let me let me ask you, among these rounds of capital that you raised, is there a drastic difference in the way that uh, the investors looked at the company or scrutinized the company as you progressed? What the, the questions, the metrics, was there a big difference uh, between each one? Uh, actually, it is. Uh, so, so if you think about it, when we do equity crowdfunding, so people are actually um, the, the retail investor on the streets, right? So when they look at you, um, first thing first, they need to understand what you're doing and they need to be associated with your brand. So we, we somehow uh, found the, 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 the link that actually a lot of them are our customers. So I don't need to explain what are we doing. They know more than me, actually. <laughs> they use it. They, <laughs> they use it every day, right? So, so the only thing they they look at is, all right, I like your product. I like what you are doing. Um, the higher purpose, uh, you know, makes sense to me. Uh, tell me what you are going to do in the next few years. Where, where, where do you go, right? So th- those are the important thing to them, right? Um, on the other hand, uh, the the BFM, which is a corporate. Uh, fun where uh, where they look at it is often um, it's okay you don't make money now but why are you burning so much money <laughs> right you then uh, that then that, that when they kick my butt I realize hey actually 
as a HR and payroll software vendor for the SME, there are 6,000 companies running on it. Being sustainable and reliable is actually our social responsible. So, so if I die, they're in trouble, right? So that kind of like make us uh, uh, tweak a lot. And actually that, that round of funding, we, we spent half of it and we handbrake it uh, and uh, we uh, cash flow positive again. And, and actually the venture capital actually likes it. Okay. Okay. Well, I was surprised at the time, right? So that was a little bit earlier. Now it's almost every venture capitalist is trying to see whether how sustainable you are at this, uh, you know, trying time. But at that time, uh, when they look at it, it's like they, they check around in the in town and they realize uh, our, our financial model is, is the healthiest of all, right? So then uh, that, that, that kind of attracts uh, them. But of course, uh, VC being VC, then there's a uh, pressure of growing, right? So yeah. then we thought, Spend a lot of focus on on figure out how to how to grow the number, um, uh, you know, two x, three x, five x, ten x, and so on. Um, so so that, those are the different characteristics in general. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting. I, I think on one side, the comments about needing to be sustainable, because really HR software is a critical supplier for SMEs. Yeah. If if that service ends up having problems, payroll doesn't get met. There's a whole heap of other compliance and legal issues that can come from not being able to meet that because of supplier issues, perhaps. It, uh, it is. Uh, in fact, uh, one, one of the things that we learn and realize after that, uh, I mean, even not not even in the beginning, um, is that um, the payroll data is so important to the company uh, locally. What mm. happened is uh, je- normally you have three types of uh, data in the company that's important. You have your customer data, and you have your account data, accounting data, and your HR and payroll data. All right. If you lost your customer data to startup is is a nightmare, right? Uh, especially like us, we handle 6,000 companies, right? Mm-hmm. However, there is a lot of SME, actually they have way lesser customers. Maybe they only serve five customers, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe they open a shop. Losing the customer data is not the end of the game. So that, that that's the first time. And accounting data, actually a lot of companies, um, when they are small, they are they are actually still uh, only create the account at the end of the year. They pass the excels to accountant and the, the fun part is the accountant asks the, uh, the boss, do you want, uh, are you making loss or profit this year? <laughs> so <laughs> then they, okay, they adjust, they create, they construct an account and pass the auditor, right? So, so you can wait, you know, some time until the year end. But payroll data, you can't even wait until next month. Mm-hmm. This month, all your statutory, um, uh, in details, you need to get it right. Otherwise, next year um, at the government report time uh, for Malaysia is early of the year, and also the auditing time, you you are in trouble. So, so so that that's the part that we take. We we see a trend to move people from uh, a payroll data inside their laptop to online mm. uh, in this country. In, or, in order for, for a security side of it, in order to get the reliability, the durability, yep. the, and so on and so they, forth. Or, or you call it data availability. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes makes perfect sense. I think the other interesting thing on what you said about the fundraising is that you now have this set of expectations on getting growth targets. So I'm curious, like to, to, to kind of focus on the growth story, you know, SMEs are a difficult segment to reach naturally. Extremely so, difficult. <laughs> how did you navigate this from the start? Because now, you know, you've, you've said you've grown to 6,000, but how did you get those first hundred and from that hundred to go up to a thousand, et cetera? Um, the, at the beginning, we didn't know that until one day we we read an article in Quora and uh, they compare, there, there was an article comparing multiple types of business model and they realized the SaaS company, the online software for SME is the hardest business model to break even. <laughs> it's it's not even in chose. Malaysia. Yeah, and that's where I go and we step in, right? It's not even in Malaysia, but it's a global <laughs> recognition of that, yeah, that, that understanding, right? So, um, we we that we used to try to find different channels to acquire leads, and eventually one day we realized we become a major leads, major channels for other people to mm. find leads. So so times move on. Uh, if we wind back to twenty years ago, we can still use newspaper, but no one using, no one reading, subscribing to paid newspaper anymore in this country, right? So at the moment, it become uh, more and more digital marketing. So when you are small, zero to one hundred. Um, before the 100 era, I think it's very much on the founders. You need to go out and do the sales work. You need to talk to the customers. Um, otherwise, you get a marketing folks, you get a sales folks, they don't understand. They don't know uh, how to sell the customer better than the founder. If founder cannot sell, <laughs> the rest of people cannot sell. So, so you need to start going through that journey um, learn the customer, learn about the customer insights, uh, tweak your product and services accordingly. Um, you eventually will get to the first 100. Um, for 100 uh, to 1,000, uh, you can't do the work uh, anymore, right? Uh, so well, you need to slowly pull out. You need to start assembling your sales team um, accordingly. So that, that's the time that you try to figure out, okay, shit, uh, where do I get more leads? Besides that, I'm really exhausted, you know? all the potential leads you have on hand in the contact books, right? So then you, uh, the common one is actually digital marketing, right? So um, then we, we, we start playing with different budgets every month, different type of campaigns. Uh, we try to figure out what's the cost of acquisition. Uh, um, and actually that's very much on the lead only, uh, not even up to the customer stand, uh, Cost per, uh, cost per customer acquired, right? Um, so, but that's the journey from, from cost to acquire lead to cost to acquire customers. Um, so then after a few years, uh, it start, it continues to grow, but then we realize that digital marketing has a bottleneck. There's only so many people uh, searching for the payroll or payslips, this kind of wording on Google, right? So, so the more you sunken into it, uh, then the ROI at a, at a certain uh, amount starting to drop drastically. All right. So then you know, okay, don't go over there. Um, the, that time you need to start doing more things. Uh, 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 likelihood it's offline marketing. Um, you, tr you arrange trainings, you tra arrange head trial summits, um, you arrange uh, 
um, the uh, even uh, billboards or radio if you have the budget. So that that's the journey to get to that. Um, of course, another uh, way is to develop the resellers. Um, we think payroll outsourcer is quite still okay, um, provided if they like to use your product. Um, but typical software resellers is still in a mixed uh, message we are receiving. Lots of them prefer to sell uh, desktop software with mm. the license key instead of online. Um, uh, this is there, there's a bunch of psychology behind it. Uh, so 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 th- th- those are the other channels. Um, in general, in general, uh, when you're growing up, uh, you start to get a multiple strategy. Um, and uh, likelihood, there's no one but you all. Yeah, there's 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 not really a one size fits all. I, I think there's there, there's a couple of things that you said that that I think is worth rehighlighting. One is, you know, you said that it, it, getting those first hundred customers, it really falls onto the founder, and I think yeah. that's a really important message for any founders out in the audience listening. Is that you really have to be part of the sales team in order to understand that process, so that when you do start hiring, you can actually understand and be able to train up do that onboarding and be able to kick that into gear. The other really interesting thing that that I heard you say was talking about as you're doing digital marketing, over time, eventually you hit a ceiling where that ROI starts to dip off. And I see a lot of people that just assume that the customer acquisition costs via direct uh, digital marketing channels will stay constant or drop. And it's just not the reality. The ROI inevitably ends up dipping over time because you, it's. I always use the analogy of trying to pick fruit off a tree. Eventually, the low hanging is gone, and you have to climb further up, and that's more expensive. So that that that's a lot of uh, us actually. As a founder, uh, we are trained to put the uh, you know uh, CAC and LTV metrics on. Uh, frankly speaking, it will change <laughs> again and again and again. So uh, it's okay that you put it on. That's like okay when I see yeah. the historical. How does it look like? But don't ever assume it will be there forever. Yeah. Uh, the the moment you grow higher, um, it, it comes to a different uh numbers uh, of, uh, even from month to month. Yes, yes, yes. And I think from the from an investor standpoint, they they want you to look at those unit economics. They want you to understand those metrics. But they have no; they're under no misconception that they that they stay flat. It's really making sure that the founder is paying attention to the details. It's more of are they looking at the logic points uh, over mm. over time? I, th- I think that's a really incredible point to to to, to highlight. This one, uh, there is another interesting uh, part about CAC. It's uh, what cost are you sunken into the CAC? Mm. Is it just the money you pay to Google and Facebook? Uh, but practically, uh, I think we, we, we should actually put down all the uh, salesperson, marketing persons, uh, even your onboarding and support a person into the CAC because if, if they are involved in the work to acquire customers, mm-hmm. when you scale up, you need to increase that, that cost. Yeah, that's 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 definitely true. I'm I'm curious since we're on the topic of of the customer acquisition costs. 
One of the challenges with the SME market as well is that it is expensive to reach them because it's so diversified. They're small players. They're not, they're not as recognizable. So it takes a lot of effort in order to reach out to them. But the contract values are smaller. So I'm curious right. of how so you this is the manage other that. Side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is this is kind of blending the two sides together. There, there is lots of European uh, VCs uh, uh, that we spoke to in the early days, uh, or US VC. Um, when they look at our uh, average revenue, it's like, oh, geez, we are doing that number, but in euro. Malaysia <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> ringgit is so small, right? So, and uh, the the that's the fun part. Uh, um, and. And another fun part, I think uh, uh, for some reason, I stepped into uh, an industry that is so competitive. Uh, I didn't expect that. All right. I, I didn't expect that. So, so what happened is the, um, in, in general, hey, it's so difficult to hire an engineer to work on a payroll software. Right. They would do crypto. They would do anything that's sexy enough. <laughs> Hello. Payroll, compliance, tax, come on, right? And and yet we see so many companies actually raising funds in Singapore um, and try to actually come into it, uh, this industry, um, and make it try to make losses. Uh, but uh, but the fun that that's the fun part. So if there is no competition, likelihood uh, average revenue could be higher, but because of a competition it goes down to so low, then in that case, the, 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 we need to carefully uh, work on the cost. So, so almost all my competitors pay higher than me <laughs> in, in terms of uh, the marketing spends, in terms of uh, people's uh, pay. Uh, but uh, I, I felt it's not so sustainable eventually. Uh, this year, I think in the online software, there is a new concept uh, called burn multiply. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we, we should really look into it. It's like uh, how much you burn to acquire the similar amount of new revenue. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, um, I can't remember if it was David Sachs or Jason Calacanis that that, uh, that ended up pushing that out. Um, but it's gotten new light as of now because, you know, as everything's going up and to the right, no one's really staring as, at the cost metrics as much as they should. They always should. They always uh, but- should. But now that things are a little bit different, uh, certainly is getting more getting more emphasis. I'm I'm curious. One one more question um, on on the actually, marketing Calvin, side. Actually, yeah. Calvin. Actually, Calvin. There's one more uh, things that make it challenging. One is the uh, high acquisition cost. One on the other side is the low uh, revenue. But one more thing is the scaling speed. Mm. So if you look at uh, the consumer and e-commerce operations. Uh, in a trading situation, because thanks to the online platform, uh, it's relatively easier when you uh, to scale up. So when you when you drive, when you put down the marketing budget, you try to drive the numbers. Um, that that could suddenly scale up a lot. A uh, similar thing to enterprise business, where you have salesperson go and lobby. Um, you could have a, a three millions of revenue, and suddenly you hit a, a jackpot of another mm-hmm. big deal, right? Um, SME, you can't do it that way. It, you are talking about how many new companies you are capturing every single month. When you translate that number back to your operation, that means the entire complex, complex, uh, complication of the scaling involves of, uh, multiple people. 
So, so that and hiring people uh, takes time. Hiring good people takes more time, and train them and onboard them. Right. So, so th- this is another uh, part that uh, we need to, you know, look into. Um, it is tough business. Uh, it, uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with it. Uh, in fact, I I think uh, lots of our competitors didn't realize it's so tough when they come step into it. I always tell them this, and uh, they they probably uh, thought I I'm actually frightened them away. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the reality. So let me let me ask you a question on on the product side because you know there is a significant amount of localization required because of the legal issues, the compliance issues, the tax issues, all of these different very localized characteristics of payroll and HR. How do you position for this when you're competing for market share in Malaysia against perhaps either local players or foreign players? And then relatedly, when you look further into the future, years into the future, how do you incorporate that into a potential expansion uh, strategy? Yep. Um, every, almost every Singapore VC uh, talking to us, uh, the first question is, uh, when are you expanding to other markets? <laughs> 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 I, I, I like you guys. I like your product. But, you know, revenue growth, can you be faster? Can you scale out to multiple markets? Mm. Um so the this is the strategy play, right? So I think there is two two play that uh that's most commonly you uh, have uh, we have in the industry. One is uh, okay, let's try to build multiple markets, and you know hopefully exit plan is sell to someone that uh that is interested to buy uh Southeast Asia story. So I have a, a couple of countries using this software. Um. The the drawback is I find a dilemma uh, in that kind of situation. It's uh, when you are not ready and you try to grow multiple market at the same time with the product complication that's so localized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really gambling, right? So at, at a given time, you are having a software, you try to build seven to eight markets of payroll and you have seven to eight uh, country managers around. Good luck to you, all right? Hope, hope they do magics. <laughs> so, that, uh, so it's very uh, far from, uh, you know, when we talk about, uh, we, we hope that we actually become a sustainable company for our customer, that we are a reliable vendor. Because of this, um, when you put, that kind of race into it, it's very hard for them to become a leader in a country when they do multiple market. Mm-hmm. So, so this is uh, this is a uh, uh, pros and cons on that side. Uh, we eventually chose another route that we thought, okay, fine, let's choose one country which we can do the best, right? Um, uh, inside of uh, this country, uh, probably we can get uh, uh, more funding. We can uh, the, the our founding team or our management team can get better talents, uh, comparing to our competitors, uh, with relatively uh, you know uh, more cost efficient, uh, cost efficient, and number three, uh, we have a better uh, local connections of network, right? So we 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 work with a local uh, association, chambers, people. Uh, we look work with the banks. Uh, we work with the government, statutory departments, and so on. So, so, so we, 
when we try to identify and work on this, uh, our goal is different then. Our goal is said, uh, can we be the leader in this country? So today, a lot of people say Kaki Tangan, it's the uh, 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 largest online payroll software in Malaysia, despite we are still very small. We are like 1% of the entire market share. Um, but uh, what we are trying very hard to do uh, is to become number uh, top three or the best uh, number one in another five years' time. Then in that situation, you would have the power to put more products into the customer base and talk to any partners like banks or governments to, to, uh, to open more different opportunities. So this, this is the strategy play we are having here. Okay, so essentially going deeper into the domestic market and perhaps uh, extending the product arf- offering in order to drive up ARPU, uh, the average yep. revenue per, per customer, uh, yep. and use that as a primary revenue driver, yeah? ARPU is one thing. Another thing it's also, uh, it's the controlling. I, I, that in China, there was a book uh, called Monopoly. So, 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 so one of the idea is if you are controlling a big chunk of market share, um, a high likely chance you can actually uh, control the pricing of this product in this country. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so that, that is the thing that we are trying to get into eventually. Okay. Okay. And do you see SME remaining the core market or do you see either going down to the micro or moving up to the enterprise? In fact, we, we have a lot of micro. Um, we, 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 we even actually gave uh, micro companies to use it for free. Okay. Um, so, of course, uh, we haven't monetized from it. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out how to monetize from micro because a small amount monetized might as well you don't monetize. <laughs> My cost of accounting is higher than the revenue. Then there's no point. Um, but uh, um, if, I think eventually um, the, the micro and SME uh, to us is the is fundamental uh, business and DNA we are building um, we could actually go up market uh, when we're ready. Um, but I, I, I mean, from a person who worked in a lot of enterprise software sales before, uh, one thing I realized, actually, it, when, you do, when you work on different market like enterprise or mid-size and above, uh, software versus the SME software, it's not, it's not only the products, but it's the organization building. You need different type of person. You need different type of uh, uh, process flow. And customer is buying different things. In the SME, they lock into your system. They have a feeling whether I like to use this software or not. Um, that's the major buying point. But if you go to enterprise, even the deal strike, they sign the contract, likelihood they haven't seen this, how the system looks like. They are buying a tender document. They are buying a checklist. So the value proposition you're selling is totally different. Mm. Uh, so, so at the end of the day, I think it's easy to copy product, but it's not that easy to copy an organization. You need to view uh, I th- it I think, that's, I think that's a good point. I, I oftentimes see founders being very 
closed publicly yeah. about what the product is. Anybody can copy a product. Anybody can go online, sign up for an account, kind of work backwards. But that's not where the secret sauce is, generally speaking. It's oftentimes on the organization of how you're going to market, how you're strategizing, how you're actually building mm -hmm. um, more so than just the product itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 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 so it, it's actually a lot of us, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are hopeless optimists or even business owners. <laughs> <laughs> when you step into from one domain to another domain, uh, enterprise and SME market is very, very different. Mm. It's very different. So let me do a little bit of a forward-looking conversation here. So when we start thinking about the definition of success, how do you define success either as a product or as an organization? And how does has that evolved over time from your founding days? Um, the at, Actually, at the very beginning, we were just eyeing on the influence and impact that we can bring to the society. So at that time, the, the, the very early stage is we wanted to help a lot of Malaysia SME. So that was the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so when we, when we talk about, okay, are we success or not, uh, then uh, the success uh, judgment is whether are we helping a lot of company. So eventually then we start uh, trying uh, to put down a number at the time that I, I, I was hoping to change 60% uh, of the, <laughs> uh, I hope 60% uh, of a Malaysian company using kakitanga.com. Um, now maybe uh, we, we tune it down back, uh, say I hope uh, to have 30% of companies in Malaysia actually use kakitanga.com. Uh, it's still far from where we are now. We are 1% of the market share. Um, so that, that is actually, uh, I mean, as an individual or as an organization, uh, we think that's kind of a success. Of course, we want to manage the growth to there, uh, with the idea of sustainable still, mm -hmm. um, but that, that, that's the, the, long, the, the, the kind of like the, uh, long-term, uh, high level goal. Uh, of course, when you drill down to our, our, day-to-day -day operations um you, last time it was a uh, revenue per month um then it gets uh kneeling down to little details like uh, um monthly new acquisition monthly renewal monthly retention metrics we started to run nps uh, tracking um so but ultimately eventually we when we look at the big picture is this successful or not um i would answer you uh that uh I would I would see the impact of this company to the society as a success metric. Okay, okay. And so when you look at these goals, is there is there a key metric for <laughs> your product that that you track on a regular basis that is giving you the indication of whether or not you're on track to reach that? Uh, actually, multiple <laughs> multiple <laughs> metrics, right? So, um, in general, uh, I, I I'm telling. Uh, my staff, actually everyone in kakitanga.com, they know that uh, Appen has uh, three things that we are talking about. Uh, everyone can memorize that. So number one is number of customers. Number two is average of revenue. Um, number three is the retention. 
that defines uh, the the healthy uh, healthy status of the company or not, right? Mm. So, so 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 eventually, of course, you can even drill down further. We have a large Excel that actually breaks every items into sure, multiple. Sure, sure, sure. I've I've been guilty of building some of those models that break those metrics down and kind of waterfall down to the different tiers of the organization. Um, but Kevin, I think uh, you see, uh, building those metrics is actually cost. The more mm. things you track, uh, uh, more costly, uh, uh, more cost you are spending, right? Sure. Um, so ultimately. Um, the the what you wanted to do is actually the metrics you are building is actionable. So I see this metric it drive it could drive certain actions in the organization. If the metrics doesn't drive the action, that's is pointless metrics. Absolutely, I, there there has to be some sort of cause and effect. There has to be some sort of action that leads to the result, and that's what you're using Correct. a metric in order to measure. Correct. Yeah. Metrics is not important. Actions is important. Yeah, absolutely. So on that exact topic, what is one specific thing that you must get absolutely right in order to maximize your odds of hitting your goals? Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do funny things. Screw up this company. Uh, you, you know, we are we are all hopeless optimists uh, as an entrepreneur, right? So... Uh, but but we need to have uh, enough disciplines in financial and people management. Uh, people management is important as well. Yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, let me move into the closing section where I have a couple of standard questions that I ask everyone. Uh, so the mm-hmm. first one is, what is the tech tool that you mm-hmm. cannot live without? Uh, all right. Uh, thanks to the inheritance from Microsoft. So we, we use Office 365 internally. Um, uh, to communicate. Uh, but uh, at the same time, of course, we use our own system, kakitanga.com. Uh, you dog put what you create <laughs> for, 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 your, for the staff, uh, handling the staff operations. Uh, we use GitHub as well uh, for, on the engineering side. Um, then the second, the, that, that, that tree is the most important tech tools internally. Um, the second level, it's uh, the CRM. Uh, we are using HubSpot at the moment. Uh, and the, the counting is QuickBooks and uh, the, the uh, charge fee that handles the credit card licensing. Okay. Okay. And the next question, for other startup founders out there that might be listening, what is the biggest piece of advice that you would give them? Uh-huh. I, I, this is, okay, so, uh, this is a weird theory. Um, I I always advocate people to do difficult things. Uh, um, for to found a company, right? Um, a weird theory I had is that uh, if it's uh, easy money, a lot of people will jump into it, and there's no barrier of entry, and eventually, is it no longer is your easy money, right? So if you do difficult thing, there's a barrier of entry. So so. You continue consistent, do something for 10 years, 10 years, 10 working something for 10 years, 20 years is a bloody difficult thing for entrepreneurs. So if you <laughs> do if you do a difficult thing that has this difficult thing has a barrel of entry. The easy thing doesn't have a barrel of entry. Absolutely. I I, lo- I love it. Every entrepreneur out there should pay attention to that. 
understand and do difficult things because it creates a barrier to entry from somebody coming in and taking what you've built. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Thank you very much, Afin, for being here with us. Uh, for those that may be listening that want to hear more or get in contact with you, learn more about your product, where can people reach you if they want to learn more? Um, it's, uh, they can reach me at uh, afn at kakitangan.com. E-double-F-O-N at kakitangan.com. Perfect. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Uh, Evan, thank you very much for being here. Very much appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Have a good day. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Rockland from Indelible Ventures, and this is The Sea of Startups.